we're in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We were in the middle of verse 3. So let's go ahead and review a little bit and read the verse first. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. He's talking about the second coming of the Lord, that he is not going to come until certain events take place. People often mix the rapture with the second coming. Paul expected the rapture. He was not surprised until the end when the Lord told him how he was going to die, and he knew he would, same as Peter, but he expected it could happen. But it can happen all the way up to, and some believe that, right before the Antichrist is revealed that the rapture will take place. But again, there's no proof. There's just different views on the subject. I tell people they study all of this, and there's Christians disagree about the middle of the week, when the Lord will come in the beginning, the end. I said, if you're serving the Lord, you're not going to miss anything. If the rapture comes, you'll hear the trumpet. So it isn't like you're going to miss anything if you're walking in the Spirit. Now, if you're not following the Lord, you're going to miss a lot. If you're not being led and following the Lord, you just have religion, and that's not going to help you at the end. Okay, so some translations now, they use the word apostasy, but the real words are falling away from, falling away from the faith, going back, backsliding. This is what it means, and it's going to happen, and it's going to happen with true Christians. We'll see that also. There's a lot of fallacy about who's going to be raptured. For years, I've heard many evangelicals and fundamentalists, they're looking for the rapture. And I told many of them, but I don't know why you're not going, because you're not living right. You're not following the Lord. Oh, but you don't understand what's saved, always saved. I said, well, you've been deceived by a demon, and you're on your way to hell, because it's not scripturally. It's a false doctrine that damns many souls. I said, if you're not walking, as John said, and you're pure as he is, you will be ashamed when the Lord does come. Because, and the word ashamed means you'll be disappointed because he's not taking you. You're the enemy. You become like the foolish, five foolish virgins. You followed the Lord and you walked with him and then you slept. You fell away. You got lazy spiritually and he didn't open the door for you. Now, most of professing Christianity, when the Lord judges, he's going to say, I never knew you. And they could talk about all the good humanitarian works they did. And he's going to say, but I never knew you. But with the five foolish virgins, he did know them. So when they come knocking and he's just shut the door, uh, he says, I do not know you. He knew them, but he doesn't know them anymore because they forfeited their relation. They apostatized. They fell back into the world. And that's what's going to happen before the Antichrist is revealed. Even the few true Christians, they're going to be falling away because of the great evil on the world. And it's just the beginning when the Antichrist comes and the false prophet. And what they're going to do is deceive many, many more. So he's saying, do not let anyone 
in their preaching, their exhortation and teaching, don't let them lie to you. Don't let them misguide you. I'm telling you this right now. Certain things have to happen before the Lord comes to judge at the second coming. Okay? The first thing he says, there will be a fall away from true Christian faith. So he's not talking about professing Christians denominations, organizations, they're not the true church anyway. The true church is those who've been born again and serve the Lord, and that's only one church, okay? They may gather and have different beliefs on minor subjects, but on the foundations, they cannot disagree because the scripture is very plain and the apostolic teachings, very plain. And Paul said, if I or an angel from heaven come and stop giving you another gospel, let him be accursed. He says it twice. So he's saying, you don't hear me coming and then talking out of the other side of my mouth. What I've told you is the truth and it's not going to change. So that's what he wants them to understand. Okay. So he speaks of a falling away of true Christians from the faith. Well, did not Jesus say the day would be as the days of Noah and Lot. Well, we've reviewed that, and we'll see that not many were saved then. Look at Noah's time. Who was saved out of the whole world? Really, there was only one person that found grace with God, and he was called a friend of God, and that was Noah, okay? His family were covered by him simply because they stayed with him and obeyed his instructions and helped him build the ark. They had enough respect for him. But if it was not for Noah, they may not have been saved. The flood may have taken them away. So he's telling you this. During Ezekiel and Isaiah's time, God was so fed up with the wickedness of Israel and them killing the prophets that he decided it's now it's time to judge you. And he said, though Noah, Job, and Daniel was there, They would only save themselves and not their children. He was saying it was worse at that time as far as the light they had been given and the evil they did against his prophets. So he said, I'm not going to show. Samuel, the Lord said, though Moses and Samuel stood before me, they were the greatest intercessors at that time. He said, I wouldn't listen. So he was saying the time of interceding and praying is over. And then he told Israel, I'll punish you. He destroyed their generation. And he said, and when I've rewarded you double for your sins, then I'll I'll take you up again. And he's talking about another generation. So God keeps in his mind always what people have had, what light they've had, what instruction. He's fair in all of his assessments, even with the heathen nations. When Joshua wanted to destroy certain tribes, they call them nation, but they were really like large tribes. He was told, and he did, he wiped out about 70 of them before he went into Canaan land. And it was a certain group he wanted to destroy. And the Lord warned him and said, do not touch them for their iniquity is not full. So God is fair and just even with the nations that don't know anything or have a limited light. He said, but there'll come a time we'll destroy them, or I'll destroy them, okay? And we saw, too, at Lot's time, he was the only one that was righteous. 
Peter, in his epistles, says he was vexed by the wicked living of the people around him, since his soul was vexed, and he was instructed to leave. And only his daughters and the wife started out on a journey, went out of Sodom with him. His friends, his sons-in-laws, could have gone with righteous lot, because the angel said, do you have others? So obviously angels aren't all knowing. He asked him a question, and he was simply saying, and it was the same with Rahab. When Jericho was destroyed, the leaders, when they promised to save her for hiding the messengers, when they came there, they asked her, is there anyone else? She could have invited friends. She may have. She may have invited people that weren't even a family, and they would have been saved in that house. They would not have been put to death. So they mocked him, the sons-in-laws. Yet Lot was the one that was counted righteous. It says his soul was vexed daily. I'm afraid there will be no large churches and gatherings when the Lord returns at the second coming. Oh, there'll be a lot of large masses of false Christianity. And we have that now. We have mega churches and, and they're telling us that abortion is okay, same-sex marriage is okay, uh, women ruling over everybody. The scripture never changed on these things. And see, the church accepts it. Lesbians and people living in heterosexual, perverse relationship, adultery, fornication, a lot of church leaders, and the people sort of accept it. Oh, well, he's human. There's no standard. And that's how it's going to be. And those that will be the type of people that the Lord's going to meet up with, and they're going to be a little speechless because they're not going to have nothing to say, and they're going to know they're going to get what they deserve, and that's going to be a fearful thing. So we see then there will be large groups of false Christians. Well, we already have. They just this week or so, they say there's about 8 billion people on the earth. Well, about 2 billion of them claim to be Christian. I doubt whether there's 2 or 3% in the world that are real Christians, okay? So that's where we're headed, okay? So that's the first thing that has to happen. There's the falling away. And then it is a restraining force to a degree. We see that God, at times, he said, you're the salt of the earth, wherever Christians are. And that's why sometimes he spreads them out. There's not one great meeting of true Christians. They keep the world from rotting. They keep God from judging quickly. He looks down like he did, and, and he told Abraham, if you can find 10 righteous, I'll spare this city. But he couldn't find 10 righteous, so he delivered Lot out of the city. So even now, true Christians are a restraining force. They keep God from pouring out his wrath. When he looks down, salt flavors something. It gives it a good taste. It has a healing factor. And so what he sees is you are the salt of the earth. You are the light. So because of the Christians, he holds off certain judgments. He doesn't visit certain things. Because Christians pray for people and nation, God does certain things. And he holds back his judgment. He, he can restrain wicked nations and wicked leaders and he does it to a degree. But a lot of times he allows them to punish their own people because of their wickedness. 
So he's in ultimate control, but the devil's the god of this world, and he runs the religious and political and governmental structures. He's behind most of it, but God oversees him, and God simply sets the standard of how far you can go. And sometimes he lets him go pretty far. When we see some of the horrible world leaders that we've had, Hitler and Stalin and Mao, totally demonized people responsible for millions of lives. And they'll answer for God. Can you imagine how far are they are they going to be in the lake of fire if God rewards people for every idle word they speak in judgment? You can imagine what these people are going to get. Okay, and so the second thing which happened after the falling away, the man of lawlessness, we call him the Antichrist, he will come on and be seen before Christ returns. People think the Lord's coming. There'll be at least seven years that the Antichrist will rule most of the world and have power and abuse the few true Christians there are. And then toward the end, when he seeks to destroy Jerusalem and the few that are left, then the Lord will appear and take care of him. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be judged by his word. They will be the first two people cast into the lake of fire. The devil then will be confined in a prison in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and there will be several generations that go on, starting off righteous, and toward the end, most of them will have turned to wickedness without even the devil's influence. God is showing that man has a corrupt nature, even apart from a major tempter, his nature, but he's responsible. God does not tell people to do things they cannot do. Uh As we said before, Cain was warned for his anger, and the Lord said, deal with it. He said, it's like a crouching beast. It's a demon of murder was tempting him. The devil was tempting him, and he hated his brothers because his was righteous, and his offerings and his attitude were not good before God. And God said, if you did well, you would be blessed. But he said, if not, He said, sin lies at your door. And then he said something interesting. He said, but overcome it. So even in the state without the spirit of Christ, even under the old covenant, man was given certain ability. He did not have to murder. He did not have to. He could restrain these thoughts and put them down. But obviously they didn't. And they decided not to. And then we have the flood that comes along because of the excessive wickedness that came upon mankind. But it's mankind's responsibility. He can't blame everything on the devil, okay? Remember when Adam and Eve said, God confronted Eve and said, what have you done? And she said, I did eat, for he caused me to forget. So she blamed it on the devil. And then Adam, he said to Adam, what have you done? He was very clear to tell the Lord, the wife that you gave me, gave me the fruit and I ate. Isn't it interesting? And his fear and the spirit of fear, they start blaming each other. Well, the devil took the blame. He didn't excuse himself. He knew what he was. And so God dealt with them accordingly. And that word we need to remember all the time. 
some translations say the devil beguiled me, the serpent. He used the serpent, an animal. And he said, and I did eat. The original says he caused me to forget. Now, when Peter wrote his epistle, he said, I know you know all these things, but lest you forget, I'm going to give you a reminder. When people forget and get led astray, that's when they fall and that's when they're deceived. Okay? So we have a pilgrimage and a warfare on this planet. And it will always be until the Lord comes for us, either in the rapture or by death. Okay? So he says he's called the man of destruction, the lawless one, the Antichrist. Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. So he will call himself God, and he will set up a worship system with the help of the Antichrist, and he will sit in the temple eventually, in God in Jerusalem, a new one most likely, and he will display himself as being the Lord. Now, certain Caesars did that, and some people thought they fulfilled Scripture, but they didn't because other things had to happen. So he opposes and exalts himself. He fights against any form of Christianity, any kind of worship. And the reason is he is totally possessed by Satan. He willingly gives himself to the devil, and the devil uses him. That's as close as the devil comes to having human form. And he will rule most of the world and take over most of it and oppose those who don't submit to him. And we often think of the scripture when Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what does it profit you? Well, that's what's going to happen to the Antichrist. That's going to what happened to many of these godless dictators that ruled like God in their own countries. But the end finally comes. An everlasting punishment is waiting for them. They're not going to think it's worth it. When they spend five minutes in a lake of fire, nothing will have ever been worth it. And they won't be thinking about that past. The people in the lake of fire, it's called everlasting punishment and torment. Not only their spiritual bodies are made for it, but they're in a hopeless state and they know they get what they deserve. And God, it's called out of darkness. He's as far away from them in relationship. And actually his contempt and wrath is on them. That is what the lake of fire is. God becomes the consuming fire. He has no mercy for them, no grace. It's a horrible thing, Paul said, to fall into the hands of God of wrath. Scripture teaches that in both Testaments. So he is not to be trifled with. And one day the people that talk so much about the love of Jesus and all, they go find there's another side. He's going to be the judge that returns and judges the world by speaking the word of death to them. For seven years, they're going to have vials of woes poured out from God's judgment and punish the wicked world for all of its wickedness and destroying his saints and coming against Christians. He is going to come, and he's coming as a king and a judge. There is no intercessor. There is no savior. See, he's not coming then for that. He's coming to avenge his righteous ones. So there's a side of God that people need to see that he does not negate. 
He is the Almighty God, the everlasting Father. He will be there to judge. All judgments are committed to the Son, for He is God. He is the Word of God, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So this man, this Antichrist, this lawless man, he will totally give himself to Satan, and Satan will magnify himself before all and claim to be God, okay? The false prophet will give many signs to confirm him as God, as a God, okay? And their signs will be real. They're false because they oppose Christianity and the true God. But the signs are supernatural and have power to them, and people are gullible and they'll fall for it. They'll see something and, oh, this must be God. We have people like that today. Every time something happens, they think that, oh, it must be God. They don't believe that the devil has his powers too, and he imitates and he falsifies things that God has done. That's what he is. He's a liar and an imposter, and he does it by performing certain. He'll call fire down from heaven. Isn't that what Elijah did in the name of Jehovah? So he'll do these things to magnify himself and who he is. So the Antichrist is in perfect union with the devil, and the devil will give him all this power to convince and deceive the people on the earth. During this seven years, the followers of him, and God begins to send forth various judgments, and he'll even let loose a large number, it appears to be devils or demons that are bound and were not allowed to roam the earth. They were too powerful. It seems like during this tribulation period, God lets them out. And what are they going to do? Side with the devil? At this time, they're not. They're going to oppose and destroy and create great sufferings on the wicked. So the devil's not interested in his people to follow him. He has no love. He uses them. And he discards them when he can. Uh, he has no love or good intentions. And he can't do but certain things. He has been very well limited. And he knows this. So 5, verse 5 says, Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? So in his first epistle, though he wrote certain things, he didn't elaborate to us in the epistle. But he obviously did to them because he's reminding them of things he said. Uh -huh. So does it mean everything he said was written down? What Jesus spoke, everything we have written of him can be read in an hour. But he spoke to many cities and towns. He gave them the same parables. He reordered them. He gave different stories. He wasn't locked in, but he was given the same message. Uh, a lot of people, all they want is something new when they don't obey what's old and what's been given them. They just want knowledge. The Corinthians wanted knowledge, but they didn't have love. They didn't have submission to the Lord. Paul called it foolishness to seek after, to seek after religious knowledge. If you're not going to obey it, you're a fool because you're going to come under a greater judgment when God judges. So what you hear, you're going to be held accountable for. So if you are not going to obey the Lord in the matters you know, I would not be seeking any other matters of knowledge because you're just going to add punishment to yourself. Learn to obey what you're given. 
or you will not go any further spiritually. You may go further with knowledge, but knowledge itself is not spiritual. There's many people who are knowledgeable, and they can quote the Bible, and they're not even saved because they don't submit to the Lord. They don't keep his precepts. They don't follow his spirit, but they're very religious. Most of the ministers in the world are probably that way, okay? Oh, they may think they're Christians, but most of them are not. They've compromised the gospel away, and the spirit, if they ever had him, left them a long time ago, okay? So he's saying, what? Well, remember when I was with you previously, I informed you about these things. And during that time of apostasy and false religion and the doctrine or teaching of the devil, there will be God's wrath displayed on the wicked world, ending with the destruction of the Antichrist and the false prophet. Finally, when the Antichrist tries to destroy Jerusalem and he wants to eradicate all of the Jews, and these Jews will be saved, and there's very few of them as a remnant, he'll have destroyed most of religion, Christian, and of the old Jewish system. He despised it. Don't mean they were right with God. And when he comes, he will judge then, and, and then those few Jews, they will turn to the Lord. It'll only be probably thousands of them, and they will recognize the one. It said they will see his the hands, and they will mourn and wail that, that he was the Christ, that Jesus was the Christ, and they will turn to him as a nation, and there'll be very few. And then the Lord's going to not only destroy the Antichrist and false prophet, he's going to cast them into the lake of fire. So they were the first ones there. And they were there for a thousand years before anybody else came. So that shows you God's attitude toward them, okay? And then he'll set up a kingdom where he'll rule for a thousand years. And over the end of it, the people will turn again against him without the influence of the devil. Their wicked nature, they will be wicked inside, but they'll not be able to expose it because the Lord said, we'll rule with him as a rod of iron. If anybody openly rebels, an angel or a Christian that's been raptured or died, he'll strike him. He won't put up with it. He'll be put to death. So it's the reverse of what it is now. The kingdom of God on earth is only in the true Christian. During the millennium, the wickedness will only be in the wicked person, but it could not be exposed until the latter end when they gather together. So a wicked man shall live to be a hundred years old, but a righteous can live a thousand years. Some people will live through the whole millennium and be standing with the Lord. But even the wickedness of the wicked people that they have not publicly displayed, they'll live a hundred years because the whole earth's going to be altered and much of the curse is going to be lifted. But those are future events. So we're talking about now the second coming. Many people mix it with the rapture. Rapture's totally different, but they may be near the same time if they've not happened by now. Paul expected it and looked forward to it for a period of time. But somewhere between Paul's time and and the Lord's return, the rapture will happen. But it could be 100 years before. It could be a few years before. 
There are no signs that were basically given when the Lord came. He'll come at a moment of time. There'll be no time to get ready. True Christians will be altered in a split second. And they will put on the immortal nature, which is like angels. He said they'll be like angels. Uh-huh. Instant. They won't even think about it. And the dead in Christ shall rise and be changed also. There is no time to get ready. There is no time to say, oh, I got to get ready. At the second coming, he gives signs and things that will happen. He warns the body of Christ what is going to happen and to prepare themselves for certain events. So that's what he's given. So he says these two events, the falling away of true Christians and the appearance of the Antichrist, they will come before the Lord comes. So before he can destroy his kingdom and pour out his wrath on the wicked world, these things have to happen, okay? A verse that's mostly misunderstood or challenged. And you know, he said, what restrains him now so that in his time he will be revealed? Okay, let me read the next verse. We'll go back to it later. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, the Antichrist spirit. Only he who restrains him will do so until he's taken out of the way. Many fundamentalists, evangelist type Calvinistic, they think this is the rapture is going to take them away, and that's what restrains them. The restraining factor is the Lord himself. He sets the standards, uh-huh, and he's holding back. Under the old system, and even now, the nation's uh, subject to God. The devil may run most of them, but God sets the limits of what they can do and not do. But he will stop doing this when the Antichrist comes. He will remove his restraining force, and then full wickedness and demon influence will come on the earth and deceive many. The spirit of grace and truth basically will back up. There'll be people saved during the tribulation period, but they'll be killed probably by the Antichrist system, and they'll have to die a martyr for the Lord. It'll be harder for them. And they'll have to stay faithful. But what's restraining them is the Lord has to set the time and say, okay, it's time to punish the world for their wickedness. So he can do several things at one time. He can allow the man of sin, the lawless ones, to come with all power to deceive. And because the spirit of truth is not being proclaimed outwardly and the people don't want it, We'll see the scripture says that the Lord will send them something that will deceive them because they didn't want the truth. So he's restraining. He's not done this. The scripture says that a certain wickedness does this and that, and it says, and the rest the Lord restrains. So he does monitor certain wickedness he holds off or he judges before it can be manifested too greatly. But during that time, he's not going to do it. He's going to allow the Antichrist, and the devil, full sway over wicked people. And they're going to be totally deceived at what's coming upon them, okay? So he is the main restraining force. If the rapture does take place within a few years of what, before this happens, it has to one way or the other, that is a restraining force because God's removed the salt of the earth. And so remember, this keeps him from judging, keeps wickedness back, 
and corruption it subdues. So if the body of Christ is removed, what's going to happen? They're not going to be men. And there will be some during the tribulation who will be saved and come to the Lord, but they will not have the influence that, that was before then. And the great masses, if there are, well, I laugh, they're not going to be masses of Christianity. They're going to be taken. And when the righteous are taken, what's left? Mainly the wicked. And they'll be in control, and they'll be against anybody does not submit to the godship of the Antichrist, okay? So the restraining or the coming of the power of evil is being restrained by the Lord. The Holy Spirit, God overriding and holding back such evil. When the Lord stops his restraining or this extra grace and mercy, it will stop too as a whole as far as its influence on the world. Again, individuals can come to the Lord. The Spirit's not left. The Spirit of the Lord is everywhere. He's in the lake of fire ex executing God's wrath. There is no place that God is not, okay? Everything is upheld by him, created by him, by Christ, and upheld by him. So every law and principle in the spiritual and the natural realm, God is involved in always, okay? So there will be influence by his spirit, but it appears that it'll be harder. So many do believe that the rapture may happen before tribulation. Some believe in the middle of it, the three and a half years. Like I said, it won't matter if you're following the Lord. If you have to go through that, God gives you grace if you stick with the Lord. But many people who claim to be Christian, they're looking for an escape when they've not taken up the cross and they're not following the Lord now. They're not going. They're not going to be. Someone asked me one time, do you believe the rapture and all the Christians will be raptured? I said, I believe in the rapture, but I believe most people who profess to know the Lord and many of them that might do, they're not going. They're looking for escapism, and they have not taken up the cross to follow the Lord. They are not denying themselves and doing the Lord's will. So they're not in that category of being righteous and pure and practicality, and so they will be ashamed that is coming. They will be as the foolish virgins, the shock that they're not let in, but they're not going to be, okay? So many just think, oh, well, I'm saved. You're not saved if you don't walk in Christ. He has to be in you, and you have to follow him as Lord, and you have to be led of the Spirit. That's what it means to believe and obey, regardless of all the false forms of Christianity that say you have a ticket to heaven no matter what you do. Well, they're lying spirits motivating them. And if you want to believe that, God will let you believe that but you'll answer at the end for it, okay? So seven again, we say, he will restrain until he is taken out of the way. So it's either a combination, the Lord's decided this is it, or maybe the Christian is acting as the salt of the earth, and a combination of both of what the Lord will do at this time. The mystery and the working of the Antichrist and he's claiming to be God. Satan, remember, is the God of this world. He runs the systems, basically, to a great degree. He has a hidden agenda. 
You'll see it in religions. You'll see it. In, uh, he wants to oppose Jesus Christ, and he's an angel of light. He'll he'll propagate false religion as long as it stays away from the truth. He'll mix it. He'll water it down. He'll compromise it. And he succeeded very well in what's professing Christianity today. Most of it's not Christianity. Most of the denominations and organizations are false that call themselves Christian. They're greedy and covetous. They excuse sin. They license sin. They tell people they can be happy and prosperous. That's just coveting. A lot of the prosperity move is nothing but coveting. And Paul said, that's idolatry. And he said, and you know no idolatry will make it into heaven. So he makes it very plain to this people who are caught up into materialism and money. We use things, but they're not to use us. So we, we say money is not evil in itself. It's what the person does with it. It can be used for good or it can be used for evil. The person using it determines what it's going to do. Okay? So we see this, that the love of evil pleasures is the age we live in. And they've resisted the truth for centuries. They love evil pleasures. They're prompted by the demons to do so and to bring it further into maturity is what he wants, the full power of wickedness. God destroyed the world once with the flood, for it is extremely evil, it said, from its youth up. God used human terminology and said, it repents me that I made man. It grieves me to my soul. He's letting us know that we can understand in human terms what he thinks about the matter. It was very grievous. People will answer for grieving God. As I've said before, every wickedness in the world by billions of people and demons and everything, God has to see it. He does not shut it out. He sees the wickedness, the perversion, and as an affront to his holy nature. And he will avenge it one day in everlasting fire. His vengeance and wrath and his holiness will come out against it forever against those people and beings. Let's take a break here.